verse 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not in faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. It's pretty simple, isn't it? So, what would you think of, think of a word for verse 23? about doubt would sum that up right unbelief right so if you have an ounce of unbelief it's what it's sin right whatsoever not a faith is sin unbelief is sin so if you take and build your foundation upon eternal security from the basis and the foundation and the premise of unbelief then your whole foundation is sin you got to take your foundation from a position of what faith right Christ promised me everlasting life. If I receive that by faith, I have what? Everlasting life. If I believe that my life and my eternal life is based on how I live, then I stand in doubt every day. Therefore, I live in sin instead of live in faith. And if I'm living in faith and my premise is all built in faith, it's going to end in unbelief. It's going to end in sin. It's going to end in a life of corruption, if not damnation in eternity, right? It's not based on the right principle. And uh, my right principle is I'm saved by faith through grace in Christ Jesus, right? Amen. He gives me everlasting life. It's a free gift, right? And so I'm on the foundation. Christ is solid rock. Amen. I'm hid in Christ in God, right? So if I'm hidden in God and I'm hidden in Christ, that means if I can be found and undo what God has done, then I'm greater than God. If I can jump out of His hand and I can jump out of eternal life and I can take myself and take myself out of the greatest security systems that's available to mankind, that I'm hid in Christ and I'm hid in God, and if I can wind up undoing all that, that means I'm more powerful than God. <clears throat> So ultimately, I, I am the Superman if I can unwill what He's willed. And I can undo what He's done, then that makes me the Superman. And it's all based on a premise of unbelief and doubt. But that's what they're doing. Listen, I'm, I'm saved by grace. Amen. Through faith. He offered me eternal life. I took it. He hid me in Christ. I'm kept by the power of God. It don't matter what I believe from that point on. <laughs> Amen. It's not based on what I do. It's based on what He did. Amen. It's based on how Christ lived, not how I live. If it's based on how I live, I have no chance. Why even offer it to me? Amen. Listen, Dr. Rubin was quoting a guy, and I believe it. He was quoting a fellow the other day, and he said, even my repentance need repented of. Even my tears need repented of. Boy, I tell you what, you're getting somewhere when you understand what you are. And at the most holiest place you can be in your life still needs to be repented of. Because it ain't my repentance, it ain't my tears. Amen, it works, it, it's His working in me that makes the difference. I just applied Him of a humble sinner. I presented myself as a humble sinner in His eyes. And I said, Lord, I need a saving. He said, yeah, you sure do look like you need a saving. <laughs> and you know what He did? He saved me. Upon what? An honest humble presentation of what I was and I agreed with him and said God you're right I am a sinner you're right I deserve to go to hell God I don't want to go and I'll take your son and he said you want my son I said yes I'll take him and upon that he justified me that's a declaration of God to declare me righteous 
You know what? He declared me righteous, and there ain't nobody that can undo that thing. It doesn't matter how much I believe or don't believe. It doesn't matter how I live. Once I've been declared righteous by God, there is no turning back on that thing. Amen. Amen. And I'm not, I'm not trying to prove eternal life from the premise of unbelief, from the foundation of doubt. I am building my foundation and doctrine upon a position of faith and righteousness, and it's in Him. He saved me. He'll keep me. He'll take me all the way. Amen. Well, I tell you what, I'm glad that I'm in. I'm glad. Listen. <laughs> I'm glad it ain't up to me to keep a certain measure of faith. I done flunked. Right? I can't live it. I know that. There you I can't live it. I couldn't live it before I got saved. I can't live it after I'm saved. There's no possible way I could ever live it. I can't maintain that kind of righteousness. It's impossible. Either he did it. I mean, what's he do with what's he do with Ecclesiastes three fourteen? I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing will be added to it. Nothing will be taken away from it. God doeth it. <laughs> Either he saved me or didn't. And nothing will be added to it or taken away from it. God doeth it. It shall be forever. Simple. If he saved me, it's forever. Amen. If I save myself, it ain't going to last. Amen. But if he saved me, it's forever. Ecclesiastes. Amen. It's eternal. It's forever. And like I showed Nick this afternoon, Romans 5.10, right? I'm saved by his life. I'm saved by what he did. Now what about what I do? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, Romans 10.4. To every man that what? Believeth. It didn't say that every man that lives the life the best as possible. It's every man that believes. See, the whole book of Romans is about righteousness. Your righteousness versus God's righteousness. Amen? And the bottom line is when you get to heaven and you face God, it's whether you have imputed righteousness or not because your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags now to God. There's nothing you can do to please God because you're coming from the wrong premise and the wrong place. You're coming from a sinful man, Adam. It's done. You're, you're washed up. There ain't, there ain't one prayer you can pray. You understand? The premise is Christ did it all. Will you take that? God offers it to you. If you say, yes, I'll take that, you got it. Amen. You must exercise faith in the finished work of Christ. When you do that, it's done. Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you what, people, people get messed up. Why, why do you want to... Listen, God took me out of unbelief. The Scriptures concluded it's all in unbelief. Why would I want to base all my theological arguments from unbelief? From the position of doubt and from the position of unbelief. Why would I even want to start there? That's the wrong place to start. Why don't we start in the position of faith and in the foundation of Christ and work from there and determine whether we've got eternal life or not? Listen, you start from the wrong place, you're in trouble. Amen? First uh, Peter chapter number four. First Peter chapter number four. We're talking about the crucified life. We just gave you a little little tidbit about eternal security. Something I was thinking about today. And uh, but we're dealing with the crucified life. We've already covered a bunch of different things about it. And I'm glad that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. And we understand that part of the crucified life is suffering many things. Jesus suffered many things. 
First Peter 1 Peter 1.6 says we're going to have manifold temptations, manifold. And then you'll be rejected of this generation. Number three, you'll be brought to naught. Number four, you'll go into a, your own personal Gethsemane. You'll go to a place to where you'll be in an agony and wrestle with God in prayer to where you're broken and you come to the spot, not my will, but thine be done. You, you give up your will and take God's will for your life. Number five, you'll be forsaken by friends, family, and even God. Number six, you'll be loud about Jesus had false accusations. Number seven, you'll be put in a no-win situation. Number eight, we dealt with this morning on a cross. You'll have to be carried. You'll have to carry it and you'll be nailed to it. You'll have a spiritual cross. You're going to have to bear and you're going to have to die upon it. And then uh, number nine is what we're starting on with tonight, a crown of thorns. Amen. Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Jesus became a curse for us. Amen. You're going to have to bear some things. You're going to become a reproach. Christ bore the reproach. First Peter chapter number 4. Verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is what? To try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Listen, when God puts you in the fire, don't freak out. Realize, okay, Lord, something's going on here, and I'm in the fire. I'm, my face on fire right now. And, uh, Lord, I know you want to purify me, so I understand. I just need faith to make it through this thing. You understand? He said, don't think it's strange. Like, why is this happening to me? If you're a child of God and you're gold, amen, you're going to be refined. You're going to be purified. Your faith will be tried. You're going to go through the fire whether you think you deserve it or not. Amen. Verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of what? Christ's suffering. You're going, to get, you're going to get persecuted, reproached, whipped, you name it. In the name of Christ, for Christ, yeah. it's not going to be, listen, Christ received a whooping for us, you may receive a whooping for him. You understand? The sufferings of Christ, that when glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Listen, listen, the second second Timothy three twelve says, Yea, all that live godly or will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You take Christ's name, you take a stand for Jesus Christ, you will be mocked, you will be ridiculed, you'll be laughed at, you'll be scorned, you'll be cast out, you'll be deprived sometimes of promotions and things in life, you'll be looked over, you'll be done wrong. Just because you're a Christian, you may even be martyred and killed. Because you're a Christian, they may burn your house down, cut the brake lines on your car, flatten your tires. Got no idea. But when you take a stand for Christ, the world hated him without a cause. They'll hate you without a cause. That's why people don't want to stand for Jesus. That's why they're looking for a compromising Christianity. That's why they want anything goes Christian. They don't want to stand for the book. They don't want to stand for the Son of God. When you take a stand for righteousness, you're declaring that God's real and God's true. Amen. And when you take His Son, you ought to know that there's a whole bunch that goes along with it. Yeah. People lie to people. Now that you're saved, all your problems are over. <laughs> they just might be beginning. Amen. Amen. Uh, Amen. Now, God put out the fires of hell for you. 
when you get saved, but their fires on earth may just be beginning. Yeah. Amen. Reproach for Christ. And what's he say? Poot your lip out. Pow. He said, happy are ye. Do you feel an overjoy, joyful, uh, bubbling blessing come upon you when you're made fun of and mocked and cussed out? And when they begin to blaspheme your God and call him all kinds of filthy four-letter words? That don't make it feel good on the inside, does it? But when you're reproached, he said, happy are ye. We're to rejoice when men persecute us for righteousness' sake. He said to leap for joy. Amen. Somebody cussing you out, GD this, GD that, whatever, saying all kinds of things, and you start jumping up and down. <laughs> Woo-hoo-hoo. Glory. They're going to think you're a kook. Hello. You start hopping around like a kangaroo. Amen. So what's going on with you? Amen. Jesus told me to shout when somebody mocks me and criticizes me for my faith. I'm just glorifying God. Hallelujah. I was worthy to suffer reproach for him. Woo. Yeah, they'll say, man, this dude done flipped out, man. They'll probably run as fast as they can to get away from you. <laughs> Suffer, you'll, you'll find out who your real friends are. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. For on, your, on their part, he, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he's what? Man, I'll tell you, one good thing in your life, you need a good cousin for Jesus' sake. Somebody just needs to cuss you out for being a Christian. Why? So you can get you can get that notch on your belt. He's glorified when he you're when you're blasphemed for his sake. I don't like it. I don't want it. But when they put their finger in your face, you little stinking rotten filthy Christian, and they begin to use words and say things, he's magnified. I don't understand that. We think he's being blasphemed and mocked, right? But he said he's being glorified. See, that doesn't work on my little fleshly mind. Amen? I'm not trying to go around and, and stir up trouble on purpose in the flesh so I can get a bunch of people to cuss. But if you come in the right spirit with the right attitude and you try to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and they said, you blankety-blank Christian, get off my piece of property, you blankety-blank, blankety-blank. Amen? Count it all joy. Say, amen. Praise God. See you later. Thank you. So what do you mean? You just gave me a blessing. Really? Yeah. I mean, God put some gold in my treasure chest over your foul mouth. <laughs> Woo! Glory. Amen. They just look at you like you're an idiot. Say amen. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I take that kindly. Amen. How can you offend me if I'm doing things right in the right spirit? Right? Verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer... As a Christian. Let him be not ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Listen, have you ever suffered as a Christian? For being a Christian? Or did you suffer because you opened your mouth and said something you shouldn't have said? <laughs> That's most of the time. Right? Amen. But I mean, suffer genuinely as a Christian. Must not be working too hard as a Christian. You take a stand for Jesus Christ and you begin to tell others about Jesus Christ, you're going to flush them people out of the bushes. And when you flush them out of the bushes, you're going to be reproached for being a Christian. I don't care who it is. Amen? You flush them out. And when they get flushed out, you'll suffer reproach. You'll suffer persecution for being a Christian. 
And you know what? People don't like that. Makes it all the situation uneasy. Makes all the carnal Christians that you work with feel real uncomfortable when a Christian, you're just trying to be holy and thou. That's all you're trying to do. You're trying to show everybody you're some superstar Christian. No, I'm just trying to expose everybody what a lousy Christian you are. <laughs> huh? Amen. Well, they want to come throw it in your face. Why don't you throw it back? Said, you ever suffered reproach for Christ? You ever took a stand? I took a stand down at Moran Printing down in, in uh, Florida. And a guy came up to me that I worked with. He said, I thought I'd, I'd have... Uh, he said, why don't you just grow up and learn to be a man and stand up? Or why don't you just go home and live with your mommy if you don't want to take a stand? I said, Richard, I thought out all the people that I was working with, you would have understood. They told me I had to take a, a run that night and I had to skip preaching that night. I said, I can't do that. I said, I done told you when I hired on, I couldn't work Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday nights after 5 o'clock. Because I had Bible school and I had church. I said, we already made that deal. Wednesday night, I can't take this load down to Fort Canaveral. i got to preach the gospel tonight. I'm expected to stand in the pulpit. My preacher ain't there. I'll be in the pulpit tonight at 7 o'clock. They said, no, you don't understand. This run's got to go. I said, you don't understand. I'll be preaching tonight at 7 o'clock. Hello? I said, give me my paycheck. I'm gone. I'll leave. I'll see you later. The gospel of Jesus Christ comes before your delivery. Amen. You guys get in a truck, you take it, you deliver it. It's your company, your business, take it. But I'm standing up for Jesus Christ tonight, and I'm not going to be. And that Christian that I went to church with was reproving me and rebuking me. He said, well, I don't think God would want you to do that. I said, that's your problem, Richard, you don't think. God told Ezekiel, he said, hey, he said, uh, you know the dung that comes out of man? He said, yeah. He said, make me some cakes, barley cakes, and mix it with your dung, and then eat it before the people. Nothing like that. He said, All right, we'll compromise. You get some cow's dung, mix it in there with the biscuits, and eat it for the people. Well, I don't think God will do That's what he told Ezekiel to do. He told Isaiah to cut the buttocks out of his, his uh, garments he was wearing and walk around with his cheeks hanging out. He's mooning everybody. I don't think God wants me to do that. God told Isaiah to moon him. I don't think that's right, but that's what God told Isaiah to do. So he cut the cheeks out and walked around. Huh? What kind of preacher are you? An obedient man of God doing what God told me to do. Oh, I don't thank God. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't thank God. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, God told people to do some things. He said, Abraham. He said, yeah. He said, get a knife. Okay. Yeah. He said, circumcise everybody you know. So, oh, my God. Hello. Amen. I don't think God had me do that. God had Abraham do that. And everybody else lined up and sat there in line and took it. Listen, God asks people to do some funny things sometimes. And Christians ought to stand up and say, hey, God would ask something hard of an individual. A bunch of Christians want the easy way out. They want to blend in the crowd. They don't want to stand up. They don't want to be accounted for. God will ask you to do some things. Amen. It's uncomfortable against your flesh. Amen. He asked Abraham to go kill Isaac. That's pretty tough. Had to go against his convictions. Amen. Listen, I'm trying to tell you some things about this book. And that, listen, Christians don't want to stand for God sometimes. They want to be comfortable where they're at. When a lively Christian comes and a dedicated Christian shows up, it shows reproach on them for them not living and being what they ought to be. And a lot of times a Christian's worst enemy is another professing Christian. 
We'll receive more persecution from people that profess to be the brethren that are carnal, living cold, than those that are, listen, people get excited, they get happy, they get saved, and they'll say, well, you'll get over it, you'll become as dead cold as us. Good night, nurse. You know how many people, preachers I've heard, amen, try to water me down and put my fire out when I got in their churches because they said, well, you know, that's just Brother Parks. He's just getting a little bit carried away. You guys don't pay any attention to that. You just live in your little dead zombie zone you're in right now. He's happy in Jesus, but that's just him. You don't, don't look that direction. Amen. Well, he's just a young preacher. He'll grow up. He'll understand. You just can't live like that. I'm telling you, I want to live like that. I want to shout. I'm commanded to shout. I'm commanded to clap my hands. I'm commanded to praise God in the sanctuary of His people. Listen, that ought to be a way of life, not just a one-time experience. Amen. Amen. The praise of God is to be on my lips. I'm to enter His courts with praise and thanksgiving. I came in here the other night and I sung for about 45 minutes to an hour to God. Song after song after song. Amen. Even got a little squirt or two going so I could get it up there and praise and worship God. To enter his course with praise. I know nobody else enjoyed that around here, but I know one thing he did. I figured before I got into praying time that night, I could just spend some time studying the word of God that I would just worship him and sing to him. Before it was all over, I was face down right over there laying in a pool of snot, worshiping and loving him. Listen, that's what it's all about. That's what he wants. But people don't want to stand up and praise him and bless his holy name. And I've been mocked and ridiculed by preachers. Well, that's just Brother Parks. The zeal of his Lord has eaten me up. (laughs) Zeal is a fruit of the Spirit of God. That ain't in the Bible. Study it out. Amen. What is evidence of the Holy Ghost? Red-faced? Spitting? Shouting? What is evidence of the Holy Ghost in the Scriptures? Huh? Profession? What's the evidence of the Holy Ghost in the Scriptures? That's the fruit of the Spirit. What was the evidence? Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter number 4. Amen. You can go to Apostolic Church any day you want, son. Amen. You'll fit right in with that theology. <laughs> Look at this. Acts chapter number 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the what? Boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they'd been where? Well, Jesus, they said, man, look at their boldness. Look at, what they're, look at that boldness. Right? Chapter 4, verse 30. Chapter 4, verse 30. Verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that they with all boldness may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, that the signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Evidence of the Holy Ghost of God is a Christian will have faith and with boldness declare the glory of God. It's not you. It's not what you do. It's the Holy Ghost power that will come upon 
you and give you the courage to stand and with boldness declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. You said, preacher, I'm scared to death. Yes, so am I. But when you get up and you open your mouth, amen, the Holy Ghost of God with boldness will come through and declare the word of God that the power of God may be of God and not of you. God ain't looking for some hyper soul winner. God ain't looking for some super salesman. I, got, I know somebody I know, I love dearly, amen. I believe he could talk, amen, uh, a fish into the boat. He's got, he's got just such a gift of talking. I believe that if he could just be a soul winner for Jesus, thousands would come to Christ. That's the exact reason he's not doing it. Because he's got a gift to gab, and he's got the ability to be able to talk, and God wants his power through somebody that probably can't speak. That the power wouldn't be of man, but it'd be of God. Amen. There's evidence right there that boldness was a evidence of the Holy Ghost. And it was it, people took knowledge they'd been with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus spake with boldness. Not ugliness. Boldness. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. Amen. We're talking about being filled with God. And God will give you boldness. He'll give you courage to stand up and say what you must say. Listen, your knees may be smite one against another. You may be standing there looking like uh, uh, Belshazzar over there in Daniel chapter number 5. You may be trembling so bad, hey man, and ready to shake in your shoes and you're trembling and shaking. But listen, if you walk and trust God and open up your mouth for Jesus and allow his words to roll off your tongue, listen, he'll give you courage, he'll give you boldness be able to stand. I'm telling you, I can't do it, but he can. Amen. Amen. He'll rise up. He'll well up in you. I'm telling you, I've had him well up in me. I'll never forget the first time I ever street preached, and I'm standing out there, and Joel Renz, I'm preaching up a storm, and I'm scared to death, and I'm walking back and forth, and people are cussing them. People are ripping their clothes off and screaming at us and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I see the demonic forces of hell, and I'm following Brother Joel around with my Bible held up like this, and Brother Joel Wren finally gets done. He said, all right, Brother Parks, your turn. And I go, and the Bible says without even thinking about it. And I'm telling you, this boldness welled up in me and I begin to preach and I begin to quote Scripture on the street corner and I begin to declare the glory of God. And the Bible said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm telling you, that'll do something to you. And when you got a street corner full of people, <laughs> it's just, whoo. Give you courage. I'm talking about holy boldness. Amen. You get up and preach in front of 600 people. You say, oh my God, I just want to go hide. Got to give you courage. Got to give you boldness. Amen. Amen. Listen, you step out by faith. What if they stone me? They stone Paul. What if they put me in jail? They put Paul in jail. What if they cut off my head? They cut off Paul's head. Amen. They killed Jesus. They killed Paul. They killed John the Baptist. They killed Peter. Right? They've killed, they've killed millions of our fellow believers for standing for the book. We're going to suffer reproach. Amen. For the cause of Christ. People don't want God. So what are we doing? We're folding it up. We're not declaring the truth of the word of God. Well, they don't want it. God didn't say go give it to them because they want it. He said go give it to them because they need it. Amen. That all the world should know. Ain't that what he said? All right. First Samuel 17. Looking at me kind of funny. 1 Samuel 17. 
Verse 41, 1 Samuel 17, verse 41. And the Philistine came and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, disdained, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the, unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied this day. Will the Lord deliver me into thy hand, and I will smite thee and take off thy head from thee, and I will give the, uh, thy carcass, uh, uh, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day on the fowls of the air and the wilds of the beasts of the field, the wild beasts of the field, Amen, uh, of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Amen. <laughs> How many people know the story of David and Goliath? Lost people quote them all the time on the radio and television. Amen. Sports announcers say, this is a battle of David and Goliath. <laughs> Amen. They do it all the time. Listen to the story. All the world may know there's a God in Israel. Well, that's pretty good. Hello. You with me? Did I lose you? John 17. John 17. <laughs> John 17, Jesus is praying. This is the Lord's prayer, not the disciples' prayer. Jesus Christ is praying. John 17, 17, Sanctify him through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you. If you believed on them through their word, Jesus was praying for you back yonder. Amen? Who ain't that good to know? That they all may be what? One. Unity. As thou, Father, art me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us, and the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I give them, that they may be one, even as we are one, and I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world... May know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You know what Jesus wanted? He wanted the world to know. <laughs> Amen. How are they going to know unless me and you open up our mouth and declare the great things of God and the good news of Jesus Christ? It's up to us to declare. He wants all the world to know. Yep. <clears throat> but you're going to suffer reproach. You're going to be laughed at. You'll be persecuted. You may mock. You may lose your life. It may become capital punishment soon one day to be a Christian. In some places it is. There's brethren that are dying, being killed. Some places they said overseas, they're knocking on doors and they're finding out if there's any children there believe God, believe in Christ, and they kill the kids and leave the parents just for agony and torment. Thank God for them little ones. I seen a video one day of two boys being shot by some chump He's screaming out of Akbar all around him and quoting a bunch of garbage. Stinking infidel. Jesus Christ died for him. But then they turned around and they unloaded a clip on them kids. <laughs> shot them dead right there. Two little boys kneeling down. 
Couldn't be more than 12 years old, 10 and 12, something like that, maybe 8 and 10. Wouldn't deny Jesus Christ. Amen. Wouldn't bow the knee to Allah. Amen. Kneeling down. And that stinking infidel shot him dead. Them little boys were instantly in the arms of Jesus Christ. And they'll have a crown of life standing in this wicked world for Jesus Christ. And there's a bunch of Christians that go to church every Sunday wouldn't dare open their mouth for God. Amen. I'm talking about bearing reproach. Amen. Bearing reproach. Psalm 69. Psalm 69. Listen, a crown of thorns. He bore reproach. He bore the curse of the world. Amen. Psalm 69. This is a psalm about Jesus Christ. Some say it's Jonah. Verse uh, 8. I am become a stranger unto my brethren, and alien unto my mother's children. The zeal of, the house, of thine house has eaten me up. That's a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. That's a prophecy of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Right? Verse 21. And they gave me also gall for my meat, and then... In my thirst, it gave me vinegar to drink. Right? That's another prophecy about Jesus Christ, isn't it? What about verse 20? Reproacheth what? Broken my heart. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Reproach broke his heart. Verse 1. My God, my God, why is what? Thou forsaken me. Why art thou far from helping me? Listen, you're going to suffer a crucified life. Maybe God will forsake you and put you in a position where you think God's far from helping you. There's a lot of people that thought God abandoned them. David did multiple times, didn't he? Psalm 42. Why art thou so far from helping me? Where are you at, God? Amen. My enemies are laughing and persecuting me. Where art thou? Psalm 77. Hast thou cast me off forever? Has thy promises failed? He got in a place where he thought he was abandoned by God. Thought the promises of God failed. He thought God forgot him for an eternity. Forever? Are you gone forever? Where are you at? Verse 14, I am poured out like... Psalm 22. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Boy, I tell you what. Reproach broke Jesus' heart. Jesus' heart melted inside him. Amen. He gave up his life. No man took his life from him. He gave his own life up. But I believe his heart melted. Hello. And when that guy stuck that spear in his side, that fifth rib, out came water and blood. I believe that's what happened. I believe he gave up the ghost. He died of a broken heart. And reproach broke his heart. And his heart melted in his bowels like wax. Amen. And it came forth water and blood out of his side when a man poked him with that sword, pierced him with that sword. Amen. What was it? Reproach. You want to bear the name of Jesus Christ? You want to stand up for Christ? Amen. You may not literally wear a crown of thorns, but you may wind up bearing a huge reproach for His sake. You may be the off-scouring of the world. You may be mocked and criticized and ridiculed and blasphemed and hindered and hurt and harmed for standing up for Christ. Listen, they don't want you to open your mouth. They don't want you to take a stand. Your family don't want you at their fun and games like Rudolph. Amen. They don't want to let him participate in little Rudolph reindeer games. They don't want you to participate. They don't want you around. 
They want you to deny God. They want you to go in the closet and hide your Christianity only in the back room of your closet. Don't come out. Don't bring it out of your house. Don't bring it to the job. Please don't bring God to church. Yes. They got a form of godliness. They deny the power thereof. Reproach. He wore a crown of thorns. Amen. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter number twelve. Paul was caught up in the third heavens. He heard unspeakable words. He said in verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Somebody's out there Going to pop your balloon, <laughs> right? Hello, you're going to get you're going to get swelled up with the abundance of revelations you're getting, and somebody a messenger Satan, a thorn in the flesh, going to poke you. Hey Amen. Let all the air out of your bloated ego. Hello. Hey amen. Hey amen. Hey amen. Listen, <laughs> there's a bunch of them little critters running around out there. Hey amen. There's a bunch of humblers out there. There's a bunch of hinderers. Paul said, you did run well, but somebody hindered you. He said, but this persuasion coming out of him to call you. The Bible says Satan, lest Satan should hinder us. The devil wants to hinder you. He wants to tempt you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to vex you. He wants to sift you. He wants to defeat you. The devil, listen, you, you, you declared war on the devil when you got saved. And you didn't know it, but the devil declared war on you. He does not, he lost you as a child. As one of his children. But he don't want you to be an effective witness, period, anywhere in your life. And he's going to do all he can to hinder you and defeat you from mounting up for Jesus Christ to accomplish anything. And he will send messengers to defeat you, to knock you down, to destroy you, to tempt you, just to see what you're made of. And God will allow him. And you'll, you'll, you'll stretch your little spiritual wings out and he'll slap you out of the sky. And make you hit the ground and sit back and you roll up in a little ball over there. Amen. Seeing stars. Amen. Got a knot on the side of your head. And he'll say, don't you ever think you should fly again. And you'll curl up over in the corner and hide and shake. And God said, why ain't you soaring like an eagle for me? Well, I got knocked out of the sky. I can't do that. He said, rise up. Spread your wings. Jump. <laughs> I told you. Don't you dare try that again. Hello? Amen. But who are you going to fear more, God or the devil? There's a bunch of people that fear the devil more than they fear God. Amen. And it doesn't matter how many times we get knocked down, we're supposed to stand up. Amen. Amen. Dust ourselves off. Said, listen here, smutty face. Amen. With all respect in the Lord's name, in the name and the power and the person of Jesus Christ, the Lord rebuke thee, Satan. I'm God's child and I'm going on for him. And unless he allows you to squish me and kill me, step aside, because I'm a coming through. <laughs> Hello. I'm going to live for God, come hell or high water. 
Amen. Amen. Listen, we need that tenacity. Listen, when somebody says something against us, well, who do you think you're messing with, bud? No. Forget that defending yourself. Stand for the gospel. Amen. Stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let the devil cower you down to where you won't stand up and live for God because somebody's going to chuckle at you. Somebody's going to laugh at you. A bunch of teenagers are going to sneer at you. Well, <laughs> then fanatics. Praise God, I'm a fanatic. Listen, people don't mind being idiots. Amen. Yesterday I watched some football and, and they panned in a bunch of different football stadiums. You know how many people are dressed up as idiots? You know how many parents got their little girls going out there and they're coloring themselves in red and blue and yellow and orange and frizzing up their hair and painting their face and doing all kinds of stuff and in the stands they're all acting like idiots and going crazy? They don't mind doing it for a piece of abomination, pigskin. They don't mind acting like an idiot for their favorite school. And then I can see church next Sunday morning. They wouldn't dare let out a holy grunt. They wouldn't dare put Jesus saves on their cheeks. But they'd say, go Buckeyes. Go Wolverines. Right? Yeah. See, they, they'll go do that for the favorite football team. They'll act like idiots and get pom-poms, do all kinds of stupid stuff for their football team. But they sure ain't going to do that for their Savior. What if we had a bunch of Christians rallying around with symbols and trumpets, huh? And the women gathering around pom-poms out on the street corner. And they're holding up signs, Jesus saves! Jesus saves! Stand on street corner. Everybody hears. What's all that excitement about? Hey, the Lord loves you. Well, why can't we get out there? It's not popular, is it? We ought to do that. We ought to get on street corner, smashing cymbals, see what happens. Huh? Could you see getting to church? Sounds like a marching band from high school. And we're walking down the streets, and we got the trumpets and, and the trombones. Yeah. Start playing when the saints go marching in. Huh? And Nick back there. <laughs> Making a good noise for Jesus. Amen. Right? And then we're all wearing signs. Jesus saves. God loves you. Amen. Repent of your sin. And just march up and down. Pom-poms cheerleading for Jesus. Man, people freak out. What's all the excitement? We just love God. Thought you might want to hear about it. Amen. They don't like that kind of stuff. They want us to keep our Christianity in a closet. And Christians got to the place like, okay, we'll do that. You just make sure that you, you keep us safe and you protect us and, and we'll bow down to you and, and uh, we'll serve you as long as you take care of us. Who said we should make a league with the devil? Amen. He said, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that he might what? It might depart from me. But he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> he said, Guess what? I'm just going to keep the little little poker to stick you. And when your little ego gets a little bit too big, I'm just going to deflate you. We put a band-aid on it, put a patch on it. <laughs> and we patch it up again. And we get our little 15-foot Brutus Buckeye thing, amen, full of air dancing out there. We get our little Santa Clauses and Easter bunnies out in the front yard, amen, all full of air, and they're all pumped up. They ain't much when you let the air out of them, are they? God knows how to let the air out of us. We get all swelled up like a bullfrog. Right? He puts, the air, he puts it out of us. 
Right? Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen? God will bring bad things in your life to keep you humble, to keep you low, keep you on your face. Yeah. Lord, the power of God may rest upon you. That it won't be upon your ability, but it will be upon Him in you. Crucified life. Amen? You have to wear a crown of thorns. I don't like that, do you? That doesn't sound like a pleasure trip to me. But somehow he'll be magnified through it. And as long as he's magnified through it, amen. Let him be glorified. Right? Amen. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. Amen. Part of the crucified life. Galatians chapter number 3. Crucified. Cursed is everyone that what? Galatians chapter number 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being what? Made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Part of the crucified life is becoming a curse. You know, that's part of my flesh don't like that. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. But at work, you'll be counted a curse. In your family, you'll be counted a curse. On your job site... Where you work, where you go, maybe even in your church, you'll be accounted a curse. You know, God would bless this place here if it wasn't for this curse here. What's wrong with that church over there? Got a curse in the pulpit. How do you like being the stench of the party? Do you like that? Do you like that everything you touch falls apart? I thought you was a Christian. I thought you'd be blessed. How come everything I touch falls to pieces? God making me a curse. God's trying to give me a place where I won't be accepted and comfortable in any position that I'm at. Why? He's making me a curse. Part of the crucified life is becoming a curse. Jesus was made a curse for us who knew no sin. Jesus is a curse word to a bunch of people. Hello? You may become a byword and a curse word to a lot of people. You may be a stench in the enemies of God's noses. You can, they walk in, man, man, what do they got that guy here for? And you're happy in Jesus, you're smiling. You, as far as you know, there's nothing wrong. And that person right there, they just, you just stink in their nose. Sometimes when you, when you pick up on that, man, it starts bothering you on the inside. That guy's a thorn in the neighborhood. That guy's a, a problem everywhere he goes. Man, listen, we're talking about being crucified, right? Christ became a curse for us. Yes, ma'am. Galatians. Number 12. You'll become a sacrifice for the benefit and salvation for others. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Here, here, here's, here's one of the toughest verses. If you experience this, you'll get somewhere. 2 Corinthians 12. You ready? 
This is a part of Christianity people don't like. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 15. I will verily gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. You'll be sacrificed. Do you understand? Right? Paul was killed for our sanctification. He was stoned. He was whipped. He was beaten. You may be stoned, whipped, beaten, tortured for the furtherance of somebody else's faith. Paul, Jesus died for our redemption. Paul died for our sanctification. You may die for the sanctification and growth of others. You must die to yourself that others can advance. But as long as you seek to try to live, there ain't nobody going to advance anywhere. You must die. You must sacrifice. And the more you love, the less you'll be loved. Amen. Amen. There's a death that transpires here. We're talking about dying. For the benefit of somebody else, you're giving up the right to live that others may live. People are giving up their jobs and their homes and their lands to go and tell somebody overseas about Jesus Christ. They're dying to themselves. They're giving up their life that somebody else may live. That's what God wants us to do. To go to the jail, to go to the nursing home, to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ, you've got to lay your life down that they might hear. It's a sacrifice. And they may despise your sacrifice. Christians may make fun of what you're doing. Are you trying to be holier than thou? But if you want others to live, you must die. You must. You must sacrifice sleep. You must sacrifice food. You must sacrifice your money. You must sacrifice your life. Christ did it. He became poor. That what? He might make others rich. We must sacrifice that others may go. See, that's the rub. That's where people don't want to get in it. They say, Lord, how about if I just shave a little off top and save my life? He couldn't save himself. He saved others. Yet himself he cannot save. Amen. You must die. You must die. You must give up. You must be willing to allow God to crucify you. You'll be sacrificed for the benefit and salvation of others. Acts chapter 8, verse 33. We're coming to the hardest part. Acts chapter 8. I don't like this. I hate this. I despise this. Verse 29. Verse 26. An angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. Under the way which goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he rose and went, behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had a charge of all treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, and was returning, sitting in his chariot, and read Isaiah, the prophet, that's Isaiah. And the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, 
understandest what thou readest? He said, How can I accept some, some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before a shear, so opened not his mouth. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And God's going to put you in a place of humiliation. I don't like that. You know what they did? They stripped Jesus naked and he hung upon a tree. He's openly put a shame for everybody else. I hate that. I just cringe. To me, that's the whole thing. Crucifixion, it kills me. That he was hung there. They stripped him. Humiliated. That's beyond humiliation, man. You understand? I can understand mocking. I can understand that. But I can't understand hanging before the whole world. And you're exposed. Total exposure before the world. You can't turn your face. Your head is there. Bible said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, Consider him. Endured contradictions against himself. He despised the shame. The Lord had no fun in that. He didn't like that. He despised the shame. But who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down to the right hand of God. Who endured contradictions of sinners against himself. Listen, the cross ain't fun. The cross may humble you in a way you can't even imagine. Humiliation. Look at what the rest of the verse says. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Who's going to declare his humiliation? Who's going to open her mouth for him? Who's going to declare it? God's looking for people to declare his humiliation. Amen. But in the process, you're going to go through humiliation. And you're going to be humbled. Right. But who for the joy sat before him and dirty the cross, despising the shame? Isaiah 57. You want revival? You want to be revived? God, I want revival. I want, I want the power. I want the touch. I want your anointing. God, I want everything you got for me. God, I want it. Only one way to get it. Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Real revival is going to come through humility, through a broken in a contrite heart. That's the only one that's ever get revived. It's the only ones that really can ever get saved. Is the one that's willing to humble himself and come before God broken and contrite. 
and say, God, I want you. More than I want the very breath I breathe. God, I want you more than anything. That I may know Him. The power of resurrection, the fellowship of suffering, being made conformable unto His death. God, may I meet you the death of the cross. May I be crucified for the benefits of others that others may live. I'm willing to die to me and myself and whatever I want for thy glory and for thy honor. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name.